0: Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If there is a Mount Rushmore of Bible verses, this one is on there, right? We have John 3.16, Jeremiah 29.11, probably Psalms, all of Psalms 23 might be on there. And then right next to it is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. And we hear this a lot, and the mistake that we make about about this verse is that is momentary, right? That it's in this one moment I can do all things. We hear, you know, athletes say it a lot of times, or maybe you say it to yourself when you're trying to get hyped about something, whether it's a job interview or or maybe you know, asking someone out on a date, Lord, I can do all things. I'm gonna ask this person, right? And I, I can do all things, and we make me the subject of this verse. I can, I can, I can, and we miss the whole point. We are not the subject of this verse. Christ Jesus is the subject of this verse because without him in there, what Paul is saying is guess what? We can't do anything. But I can do all things through Christ, who he is the one that gives me the strength. But without him, I am weak and I am incapable. I I, I love when people say all the time, well, uh, you know, uh, God doesn't put anything in front of us that we can't handle. Are you serious? Yes, he does. Look (laughs) at me right here. I can't handle this. You think I can handle being a lead pastor of a church? No, is the answer. In case you were wondering, no, is the answer. I can't. But through Christ, who strengthens me and gives me wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the word and revelation, standing in him and allowing him to speak through me, I might be able to get through this. But it's not my strength. And whatever you are walking through, In your life, don't misinterpret this verse and think that it is my strength. And if if we say that, I can do all things through Christ, and then we put the strength right back on us. Say, no, 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 it's his strength. And that is what Paul is saying in all of Philippians. Philippians, y'all, is a a love letter to the church in Philippi. This is not written out of crisis or anything like like many of his other letters are. Paul is writing the Philippians. He's very emotional to them because they've been a huge support to them. It, it is truly where the, the, the letter that he is the most probably emotional in. And he makes no bones about it. So isn't it interesting that when there's no crisis, when there's nothing like serious going on, he's really just saying how much he loves them and thank you and God is good and, and, and he's just so grateful for them. And that's when he tells them that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Interesting, right? Not when things are at their worst. We'll get into that in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's, let's, let's read, before we get to uh, verse 13, let's go back in Philippians 4. And let's start in, in verse 4, Sorry, Philippians chapter 4, let's start in verse 4. And let's look at what Paul is, is, is saying in, in the whole context of things. He says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Rejoice. Rejo- and, and as I'm reading these verses, and as, as we read them this morning... I feel as though Paul, even though things aren't in crisis mode, it's like he's saying this is, this is my advice to you all, this is my encouragement to you all, this is my instruction to you all, because though there might not be a crisis now, life going to come, right? And so he's giving these instructions, and so let's listen to what he says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I raise a hallelujah. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So he doesn't just say don't worry. He says pray about everything. And then he tells them how to pray. He's telling us how to pray. And this is what he says. It's not a dissertation on prayer, y'all. It's two things. Tell God what you need. God, this is what I need. This is what I'm going through. I'm going to be honest with you. And then do what? Thank him for all he has done. Part of the warfare that Jesse and I experienced this week is just, you know, it is what it is, right? We're, we're, we've moved past it. But there was a night where we were just laying in bed and it was like, what are we doing? You know, I'm just, what, what are we doing? We don't know. We don't know what we're doing. How are we going to lead this place? Like, we have no idea. And we, we started to go down this little rabbit trail of, of lies, you know, and fear and anxiety. And I was like, wait a second. Let's talk about what God's already done so far. Let's talk about that for a little bit. And so we started to pray, God, we need this. And God, we need that. But thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're here every Sunday. Thank you that there's unity in the room. Thank you that the testimony over and over is when people walk in and they feel like they're at home because that's what we want, Lord. And that's what you're doing. We can't create that. And you are moving. And it, 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 beca- it went from like fear and anxiety to, to righteous anger. Like, no, no, Lord, we're not going to go down that path. We are going to tell you, we're going to give thanks and, and, and remind ourselves by telling you what you've done here. Because it's not our strength. We started to rely on our own strength. And we can't do that no matter what you're walking through in life. Don't rely on your own strength. Because as strong as we think we might be on any given day, we are weak. But in our weakness we are made strong through Jesus who strengthens us. Verse 7. So after he says pray, tell God what you need and give thanks. It says this then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace We will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here it is. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true, y'all. Not on the lies. Fix your thoughts on what are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me ask you all a question. What's worthy of praise? Am I worthy of praise? Eh? Darn. All right. Uh, hoping for a couple yeses. Uh, no. The only thing worthy of praise is Jesus. That's it. That's the only thing that is worthy of our praise. We praise other things, but they ain't worthy of our praise. We praise all sorts of different things. We worship all sorts of different things. But they aren't worthy of our praise. Jesus is the only thing that is worthy of our praise. And Paul says, fix your thoughts and your mind on those things. What is true, what is honorable, what is right. What is worthy of our praise. And the goal of all of it for Paul is not to be this hugely successful person in the world. You know what the goal of it all is? It's to attain peace. And spoiler alert, before we get there, Philippians 4.13 it's about attaining peace. And you know what peace is? It's being content with where we are in this moment right now. And it's being content later on today when the Jaguars inevitably lose <laughs> and break my heart yet again because I can't seem to learn the lesson that they're terrible and being content in that moment as well. And with <laughs> whatever, I'm speaking the truth, sorry. Sorry whatever we are walking through, that we don't gauge success by our day or what we have, by, but Jesus alone in our life, And we are content and we are at peace with him and him alone. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says it, God's peace, his peace. And it goes on to say, as we read in verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So what Paul is saying is, look, do what what you've seen me do, all right? Do what I'm telling you to do. I've given you the example. You've seen me act this way. You do it too, and then the God of peace will be with you. You know where Paul is at when he's writing this? Anyone want to take a guess? Where is he always when he's writing stuff? He's in prison. He's in prison in Rome when he is writing this. He's saying, look, follow my example as I write you this. As pen is hitting the paper right now, even to this very moment, this could very well be the last letter that I ever write to you. I may never see you again, but do what I do. Tell God what you need. Give thanks. Fix your eyes and in your, in your mind and your thoughts on what is honorable and true and right what is worthy of praise and you will have peace just like me as I sit in this jail cell don't tell me that peace is conditional to our day it is not not even a little bit verse 11 not that I was ever in need (laughs) I'm going to say that part again not that I was ever in need for I have learned everyone say learned I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I think this is really interesting right here in verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. We're going to go back to that in just a second. I have learned the secret of living. What? Are you serious? Paul's about to tell us the secret of living. Like, that's you. Shouldn't we be, like, really paying attention to this right here? You over to someone and say, hey, I know the secret of living. Really? This is what Paul says. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little so what paul is saying is here is he has learned not just how to live when he has an empty stomach he hasn't just learned how to live when he doesn't have anything at all he's had to learn listen to this he's had to learn how to live with a full stomach and he's had to learn how to live with plenty you see, here's the thing, y'all, about, about having plenty and having a full stomach. Do you realize that the Bible, more cases than not, praises and acknowledges the poor and warns the rich? You realize that? And so we think when we read, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that we're going to have, that, that the whole goal of that is to have a full stomach and to have plenty. And what Paul's saying is, no, 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 I had to learn how to live in that way, just like I had to learn the opposite way. Uh, Philippians four thirteen is not a roadmap to get to a full stomach. It's a roadmap to get to where our stomach doesn't matter anymore. And if we think for a second that a full stomach is going to give us peace and contentment, we are wrong, because now we are operating in our own strength again. And what Jesus says over and over again is, "It's my strength. It's me that gives you peace." So Paul's saying, "I had to learn." I had to learn how to live on a full stomach. I had to learn how to be content and have peace in Jesus when I had everything. And I, I would bet that that lesson was harder for him to learn than the opposite. Because the second that we have a full stomach and we think we had everything we need, then suddenly we don't need a Savior anymore. Suddenly we don't need someone to save us from whatever we're going through. Because I'm my own Savior. That's, I, I believe that's the biggest, the, the biggest obstacle in, in America with the gospel is that people don't think they need a Savior they're their own saviors. But then when you really start talking to them, you know what lacks? Peace, contentment, Jesus. He says, I've learned, to live, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, here it is for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Sounds a little different now, right? I can do it all, I can live in every situation. Every season, I can be content. Why? Because Jesus is everything to him. The things that we store up, Jesus doesn't rust, he doesn't rot, he doesn't go old. The new car smell doesn't fade with Jesus. That job that we get that feels really good and validates us in the moment is eventually going to become mundane. That new relationship is a relationship eventually we're going to have to fight for. Many times we're going to strive for Our kids grow up one day. All those things, all those things that we feel like we need for peace aren't a constant. Churches, churches go through seasons. Hills and valleys. Jesus is the only constant. And so Jesus has to be the subject of this verse, not ourselves. We have to remember that Jesus is not an instrument for our success. He is success. He's not a tool that we use to attain something. He is the ultimate prize. It is him. Let's look back on Philippians chapter 3. Now let's go back on an entire chapter and listen to Paul's words of his before and after having Jesus as his peace and before when he didn't have Jesus as his peace. Starting in verse 1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Huh, that sounds familiar. Sounds like Philippians 4.4. 4. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. In other words, if you want to keep your faith in Jesus, continue to rejoice in him. Rejoice in him. Tell him of the things that he's done in our lives, not what I have done in my own life. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs. Okay, as we listen to this, before we, before we continue, let's just kind of think about this in a worldly view here, okay? In a worldly view. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Or in the world standards that you must have this type of success to be saved. You must have this type of lifestyle to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. For those that know Jesus are the ones that truly have peace. We we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. We rely on Jesus, not on ourselves. He is our Savior, not us. He gives us peace, not us. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul's saying, look, you want to be confident in yourself? Back up, because I really could be confident. I had it better than you. Tell me about yourself. I'll tell you ten times better how I was. And he goes on to Verse 5, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. In other words, I was the jam, all right? I knew all the Bible verses. I was super uh, intelligent. I was a Pharisee. I had it all, and I, I, I. Was my own Savior. But what does it say that he didn't have? Peace. He wasn't content because he was doing everything out of his own strength and it wasn't enough. He goes on to say, But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, there it is, his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. So everything else that he had, all of it, is garbage. It's garbage. And when we can get, let, let me just say this, y'all. The things that we have in our life are not inherently garbage. right? A lot of it is provisions from the Lord. It becomes like garbage when those are the things that try to give us peace in our life. And so what Paul's saying, he's looking back on who he was, like, that's garbage now. It, it means so little. It is so disposable. I can go without it at the drop of a hat because now I have Jesus. And, and I know there's many of us, I mean, just, just in my marriage alone, I, I mean, we laugh now thinking when we first got married, oh, we want this house with, the, you know, all this, the granite countertops and oh, Okay, we were never going to get it anyway, right? But it doesn't matter anymore. And isn't it funny how as life progresses and we, and we grow in the Lord and we grow in Jesus, those things that we just thought were so necessary in our lives don't matter anymore. They just don't matter because that's not what life's about. We were created to have a relationship with Jesus, not to have stuff, not to try and save ourselves. And it is when we turn to Jesus that we have peace. So yes. Yes, you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. You can do it all. Why? Because Jesus is strong enough. He is strong enough. it's not about climbing Mount Everest. It's not about running a marathon or this or that and the other. It's about having peace in every moment that you are in and not living with this life of comparison where the world tells you, you better measure up to this You better have this car, and you better have this house, and you better dress like this, and you better play the comparison game all the time to give you peace. It's not about that. All that stuff's garbage. It's garbage. Compared to Jesus, it is garbage. Philippians four eighteen and 19 says this, At the moment I have all I need. <laughs> At the moment I'm in prison. And I have all I need. And more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice. That's amazing. That is acceptable and pleasing to God. You think he, he loves Jesus? And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I want to hold on to that for a moment because we're talking about Jesus is everything, right? But listen to what he promises here. Listen to what he promises in verse 19. This same God, this Jesus who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I don't know about y'all, But I want my provision to be God's glorious riches, not my own. Not my own. Because God's glorious riches are so much better. They're beyond monetary value. They're the things that we can't buy, and we can't purchase, and we can't find in another person. It is God's peace, which what surpasses our understanding. We don't even get it. We're at such peace, like I don't understand. I don't understand. That's God's glorious riches in our life when everything around us is pure chaos. He's saying, I'm going to pour out my riches of peace on you. That's his promise to us. I'm gonna have the band come back up and I'm gonna read Ephesians chapter two this morning out of the message. And what I wanna do is I want everyone to go ahead and close your eyes and I want you to remember where you were before Jesus, whether that was 20, 30 years ago or whether it was two or three weeks ago. Let's go back and consider where we were and where we are now. It says this, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same exact boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now, God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He, cre- he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing about, of that rich history of God's covenant and promises in Israel hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're not so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace and that was the end of all the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. And these next four verses are what this church is built on right here. It says that's plain enough, isn't it? Listen, everybody, you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, yes, you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. This is what Jesus has done for each one of us. He saved us. Who we were before is not who we are anymore. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He saw us in a helpless situation. We couldn't get out of our own way. Sinners to the extreme, every single one of us. And he said, I want a relationship with them. I want a relationship with you. And so he died on the cross for each one of us. He shed that blood. And he paid that punishment so that you don't have to be your own savior anymore. So that you don't have to follow the path of the world to try and attain peace. He's giving it to you freely. And he's saying, through me, you can do all things. Through me, you can endure every season. Through me, you will have my glorious riches poured on you. I love you. I'll provide for you. Whether you're in a prison, or whether you're on the mountaintop, you can do it all through me. You don't have to rely on your strength anymore so you can let go. That's Jesus. That's Jesus in our lives. He saved us and then pours out peace in our lives. Let's take communion now and as we do, just stay in this moment. I'm gonna pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made. God, that you you came down to this earth. You saw us in the predicament that we were in, trying to save ourselves. It was an impossibility, Lord. You said, I'm going to go. And I'm going to take that punishment that they deserve, and I'm going to put it on me so that we could read these words and say we can do all things through you and know that it's true. You proved it. You're our strength, but you are also our sacrifice. You are our hope, but you are also our death. God, in and through you, we can have peace. We can be content. We can know that you are God right where we're at today in that moment because you, Lord Jesus, died for us you died for us thank you Jesus thank you Lord let's take the bread Father we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us that blood that makes us new every day that blood that that says we can run to you we can sprint to you and you can wash us and you make us clean so that we don't have to be our own savior so we don't have to rely on our own strength you save us over and over and over again your blood flows every day and it is clean every day and it washes us every day And God right now I just pray for those that are in a position of need and have been trying to do it themselves or lighten their load Remember, Lord, that it's in your strength. Wash us all clean this morning. God, we all are sinners, every single one of us, and we're really good at it. Wash us clean this morning, Lord. Remind us that it's you. It's you. And we take this cup, Lord, remembering and standing now on the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Let's take the cup.